Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Hear the story, isn't it? Can't get enough of it. No matter how many times we hear it, no matter how it's told to us. And that was a great creative way. And I'm looking forward to next week because there's more to come. And before we get underway today, though, I know we uh, sometimes wrestle with technology. We got that screen for you. If you want to uh, just maybe take a snapshot of it, check out what's, um, you know, available through the angel tree. We want you to take advantage of this different way of being part of the angel tree ministry this year. And I see some cameras still up, so Hold that screen up for just another minute so that people can get uh, a t- you know, a shot of it. The um, L2EN8, the little code is there. And it's a, a great way to bless uh, a family that's uh, hurting during this time. You know, uh, someone who's, wh- whose parents are incarcerated, and this really, really blesses a family. So be a part of it. It's a strange season we're in. We know that. Uh, it, it's different. I want to speak to that a little bit today and start directly from the Word of God. So if you have your Bible, if you have your device, whatever way that you get to God's Word, whether it's paper, whether it's digital, get on to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, King Solomon, who was called the wisest man, wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And I begin with something that he wrote about times and seasons. A familiar passage, I'm going to read Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 through 8. And Solomon wrote this. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant, a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, and a time to gather them, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search, and a time to give up, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. Solomon tells us there's a time for everything. Everything under heaven. We're in a time right now that we call a global pandemic. And in this time, in this season, it's, it's brought up a lot of questions about God. And one of the questions that seems to be recurring is, is God doing something? If there's a refrain that I've been hearing since early 2020, especially since March, all about this pandemic, it's, is God doing something? Now, 
just from some casual reading, I came across this about this question. And this is just from a variety of articles. And I'll just read you these excerpts. God is doing something new. God is doing something new in us. God is doing something unique and new through the COVID-19 crisis. God is doing something big. God is doing something powerful. God is doing something supernatural. It's a special time in the world, and God is doing something. So is God doing something? Of course, God is doing something. Yes, I certainly agree with that. But I have another question. Did God just start doing something in March? Did God just start doing something because of COVID-19? Or was God doing something before we ever heard of this thing? And I say, yes, he was. God is always doing something. Now, we saw in the children's video, we went back to creation, the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 2, verse number 2, it says that on the seventh day, God rested from all of his work. The work of creation was complete. So God rested, and he rested from that work. Was he, has he been resting ever since? No, no. Since Genesis 2, 2, God has been doing something. God is working. In John chapter 5, we read that Jesus, he was taken to task for doing something on this day that God said, make a day of rest, the Sabbath day. In Genesis chapter five, or in John chapter 5, Jesus healed a man, a man who'd been lame for 38 years. Jesus healed him on the Sabbath day. Well, the Sabbath was supposed to be the day of rest. Now, why in the world was Jesus working? Well, that was the, the question of the leaders of the Jewish faith, the Pharisees. What are you doing healing somebody on the Sabbath day? Why are you working? Well, how did Jesus reply to this when he was berated for healing a man on the Sabbath day? John 5, 17. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day. And I too am working. God is working. He's not waiting for a pandemic. God's not waiting for a crisis in your life or mine to get to work. He's working always. His his work is continual. It's ongoing. And the word of God confirms that time and again. Romans 8.28, we heard it quoted earlier this morning in, in our time of prayer. It's often quoted. It's well known. Paul the Apostle He wrote about suffering in Romans chapter 8. Yes, he did, and he wrote about weaknesses. But he also wrote about prayer led by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit-led prayer is not just for a time of crisis. Holy Spirit-led prayers to be something that's a regular practice that we do all the time. And it's Holy Spirit-led prayer 
that leads into Romans 8, 28. Romans 8, 27 is about praying with the Holy Spirit leading. Then Paul wrote, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. God's working in all things. And in times of stress, in times of anxiety, in times of weakness. But he's also working through these prayer times, being led by the Holy Spirit. In all things, God is working. In his letter to the Philippians, Paul wrote, I'm confident of this, that he who begun a good work in you will carry it on. God will work. And later in that same letter, Paul wrote, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So God's working. God is working. God's doing something. He's working in us. We uh, sung today from Psalm 121. I'll, I'll, I'll lift up mine eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord who makes the heaven and earth. And what else does Psalm 121 say? He will not slumber nor sleep. God's not asleep. Isaiah chapter 40 says, don't you know, haven't you heard? God will not grow tired or weary. God's doing something. He's always doing something. He's working. He's not sleeping. God doesn't need a crisis. He doesn't need a pandemic to jolt him into action or to wake him up. But on the other hand, we might. Though people grow tired and weary, people sleep, people ignore God. They even forget about God. Now, if you pick up the Bible, you won't have trouble finding that out. You won't have trouble finding a, a passage that describes where people forgot about God or they were asleep, ignoring God. People who just really were completely complacent when it came to God. And then what occurred? Well, oftentimes God would bring about a circumstance, something in their life or their situation that would jolt them. It would wake them up. Times of trouble, a, a famine, maybe a, a plague, a drought, perhaps an enemy conquering the land. And then suddenly people are crying out to God. Hey, God, where are you? Are you asleep? No, God's not been asleep. He's been there all along and he's been working. You've been ignoring me, God would say. Well, then after people cried out, God would step in and bring salvation. That cycle repeats itself over and over again through the pages of Scripture. And if you dig into it, you see God never stops. He never stops working. His working of his will and his desire to draw mankind to him. And it's us that fall away. It's people that fall away. It's people that fall asleep. And we have a great example in the prophet Elijah. Now, there was a time in his life, and we heard about it a number of weeks ago, where there was a drought and a famine in the land. In 1 Kings 
chapter 18, it describes that. And 1 Kings chapter 18 opens with these words, the famine was severe in the land. Now, later in that chapter, uh, Elijah prepares a sacrifice. He built an altar. He put his sacrifice on the altar. He had it all surrounded with wood. And uh, then he dug a trench around it. And then he called for the people to bring 12 big vessels, 12 big pots of water and pour it over his sacrifice and all the wood, so much so that the water filled the trench. Now, if you're going to make a fire, it's a good idea to pour water over your wood, right? Right? That makes sense. And in the middle of a drought or whatever, in the situation of an extended, years-long drought, what you do is you call for people to bring 12 huge pots of water so that you can waste it, pouring it over your sacrifice, right? It doesn't make any sense at all. But yet this is what Elijah did because he was a man of faith and he knew God was working. And then he called on God. And what happened? God sent fire down and it consumed the sacrifice and it consumed the wood and it consumed the water. And then what happened? Soon after, the rains came and the drought was over. Now, if the, if the people thought God was asleep, he wasn't. God was working. Elijah knew that. And what happened with God sending the fire down is the people woke up. The people who had been so complacent and asleep. Well, God had certainly gained their attention. Now, you can read 1 Kings chapter 18 and see for yourself. But don't just read 1 Kings 18, make sure you read the next chapter, chapter 19. It's the rest of the story. What happened afterwards? It's a case study in human nature. Elijah, the man full of faith who called out to God and fire came down from heaven and consumed everything and the water and, and the sacrifice in the wood. And he saw this great miracle in a day's time. In one day's time, Elijah, he feels alone. And isolated, as if God abandoned him, as if God had stopped working, as if God had fallen asleep. Yet, God showed Elijah, I'm still here. I'm still here. Yeah, even though there's no fanfare, you know, there's no major miracle here, a fire coming from heaven, I'm still here. God showed Elijah. He was still very much aware and at work, you know, even though there wasn't big stuff happening. So, yes. God's working all the time. He's doing something. And what's he doing? He might be vying for our attention. Well, you might say, you know, Lord, you got my attention. You've had my attention since, since March or April. And God, I've been enduring this. I've been persevering now for months. Well, of course. Since the onset of the pandemic, life has changed. Yeah, and there's been many who are really enduring. You know, for some, it's been very difficult. They've lost loved ones. You know, or they're watching their loved ones suffer, or they can't visit their loved ones. They have to make phone calls, look through windows. It's, it's difficult, and that's true suffering. You know, it, it might be, you know, Things because of the virus itself. It might be because of all the changes and restrictions that some are suffering. 
you know, suffering physically, suffering financially, jobs, you can't go to your job or your businesses had, had to close down or be stressed. And then, of course, that brings personal anxiety and stress. You know, for others, they've, they've just really been inconvenienced. The spectrum's pretty broad here about how this thing has affected people. But we might all ask, you know, Lord, when's it going to end? When's it going to end? What more are we going to have to endure? Now, the idea of enduring the pandemic has been borne out in the media. I've seen some headlines. I share a few headlines with you. Here's one. The U.S. may have to endure social distancing until 2022. We don't want to hear that. Here's another headline. How are private companies enduring COVID-19? I saw this, an article about uh, research at the Michigan State University. And the headline was this, enduring COVID-19 as an extrovert. It, it affects the way people live. An extrovert can't touch anybody. It can't hug people. It's affecting them. I saw uh, this, it was in Missouri, a, count, a county in Missouri, they're doing this thing called the Enduring COVID Project. And this is what they wrote. We're seeking images and information from you to tell the story. Photographs of daily life, coping with social distancing, unusual scenes outside the home, drive-by parties, empty parking lots, messages on windows, staying six feet away, warning signs to stay six feet away, people wearing personal protective equipment, etc. So, some are saying, we got to endure this thing maybe till 2022 for years more. Some want to memorialize it. They send us photos. We want to make sure we don't forget about it. We're going to document it for the sake of history. Most of us, though, we just want to see it end. But I know this. I know this. Whether the end is tomorrow or whether the end is a while away, God is working. God is doing something. And he set the time. He set the season. You know, Ecclesiastes reminds us of that. There is a season for everything, and the seasons change. The season will change. This season will change. God ordains times and seasons. We're, we're entering a season right now. Today, we, we've heard all about it, a season called Advent. Advent culminates it's, it, 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 with the day of Christmas. Advent is a season of waiting, anticipating, looking forward. And in Advent, we're looking to Christmas, the day that we mark to celebrate God coming into the world as Jesus. The, the, the day that God took on humanity, he became one of his own creation. Well, the Bible uses words like this. He made himself of no reputation. He humbled himself. He took on the form of a servant. That's our Jesus. That describes God who, who became us. He came down to our level, which is an amazing thing. And our God who stands outside of time, he sees past, present, and future all at the same time. He's not constrained to time, yet he entered time. And the moment he entered time, that had been foreordained. God ordained it. God ordained the beginning of that season. And he ordained it since the beginning of time. And our minds don't really get it. You know, they don't fully comprehend it. Yet this is what was set by God, the time for Jesus to be born. There's a time for everything and a time for every season. 
Ecclesiastes reminded us, uh, us that there's a time and a season, a season to refrain from embracing. You know, who would have thought social distancing was in the Bible? But there it is, a time to refrain from embracing. You know, we're in this season, no touching, no handshakes. But the time is coming where that will end and we'll be able to hug again, a time for embracing. It will come. Until then, God's doing something. Yes, he is. And we might say we're enduring, but God is doing something. And he's doing something enduring. In the one sense of this word enduring, it means to persevere, to bear with suffering. But the other sense of enduring, God's enduring work, that means it's lasting. It's durable. It's permanent. And while we endure, God's working. God's ongoing and his continuous plan and his ongoing work, it endures. King Solomon, after he wrote Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8, he continued. And, and he gave sort of a postscript to this idea of times and seasons. And one of the things he wrote in Ecclesiastes is, Verse 14 there in chapter 3. Ecclesiastes 3.14 says this. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. The work that God does. The work that God is doing. It endures. Solomon wrote that, and he also made this point. There's a purpose to it. There's a purpose to whatever God does. Now, what's the purpose? What's the purpose? Solomon wrote, so that people will fear him. No other other English translations put it this way. So that people will revere him. So that people will stand in awe before him. God's work endures... For his purpose, for him. Now, I know when some people hear that, they say, well, I don't want to have anything to do with a God like that. It's all about him. He's very self-centered and selfish. You know, if the purpose of God's enduring work is so that people revere him or stand in awe of him, that doesn't necessarily make him a a narcissistic, self-centered, selfish megalomaniac. It doesn't, because his work and his purpose, it involves all of us. And and there's no greater proof of this than Christmas. God became a man. God became one of us. To fear God or to revere God, to stand in awe of him, that's hard to do when someone's back is turned, when God is rejected, when they're just totally oblivious to God. They want nothing to do with him, ignoring God, asleep, as it were, to the things of God, unconscious to what God's doing and is working all around us. It's hard to stand in awe of God like that. But it's a lot easier to revere God 
when one realizes his enduring plan, the plan to win us eternal life, the plan in the working of God, which has endured since before time even began. And that plan is Jesus. Our children's pageant, part number one that we saw earlier today, it went back to Genesis. Why go back to Genesis in the Garden of Eden to talk about Christmas? Well, there was, there was the plan for Jesus, and it was first revealed right there in the Garden of Eden. Genesis 3.15, God made the promise. The offspring of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. And that promise has endured. God's still working it. God's still working that plan and promise. And it has endured and it will endure. The plan that was first mentioned in Genesis 3, it was manifest in Jesus. God became one of us. He experienced what it was like to be a human being, to suffer and feel pain, to to know what it means to walk around in this, this flesh a shell that we have. He was tempted, like we're all tempted. And then what did he do? He gave his life. He gave his life in exchange for ours. He carried the debt of sin that we owed. You know, God sent fire from heaven to consume Elijah's sacrifice. But then God, in Jesus, became the sacrifice. Now, what's the greater miracle? What's the greater miracle? Setting the sacrifice on fire or becoming the sacrifice? And I say it's becoming the sacrifice. Now, that was the working of God. That was the working of God that has endured to this day. Anyone can turn to Christ today. Anyone can receive his sacrifice and his pardon for ignoring God. For having backs turned against God. And when, when, when you realize that your soul's freed from any penalty for any wrongdoing because of Jesus, when you know without a, without a doubt that what Jesus did, that lasts forever. It'll endure forever. Doesn't that make being in awe of him so much easier? And we heard at the open of our, our service this song, Joy to the World. Now, that was a hymn that was written in the year 1719. It's endured for 300 years. Is it going to be recognized in a few more generations? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. It might wane. It might fade. But the song that was written in 1719 by by a man named Isaac Watts, it's endured. It's endured. But Watts knew something that endured much, much longer. It'll endure forever. And that's the word of God. It's the word of God. Because what man does, we heard a little bit, Pastor Noah talking about that at the the open. What man does, that's not going to be eternal. But what God does endures forever. It lasts forever. Isaac Watts wrote Joy to the World based on Psalm number 98. Go read Psalm 98 and read the last half of it. That's what he based his song on. Let heaven and nature sing. It talks about the earth. You know, 
singing out to God. All of his creation singing. And this is what Isaac Watts wrote at the top of that hymn. His notes. The Messiah's coming and kingdom. See, he knew the word of God. He knew the plan for Christmas. He knew the purpose. That God coming into the world and becoming one of his creation that's never going to fade, it's never going to wane. But God's doing something. And he's doing it so that people will be all in awe of Jesus and what he's done and what he's accomplished for all of us. To revere and to fear him. And everything God does will endure forever. I don't know when life without COVID restrictions is going to end. But I know it's going to. And when it does, what will endure for you? What's going to be lasting? What's going to be permanent? If you weren't completely in awe of Jesus before, are you going to be? If Jesus was a weekly obligation, once a a week on a Sunday, or even if Jesus was just being ignored, remember, he came to earth with a purpose to save you, to save your soul. Now let that endure. May that endure because it's never going to fade. It's never going to go away. His sacrifice endures forever. Does it endure in you? Will it endure in you? This is what God is working. That's what God's working. That we would be in awe of Jesus. Everything from Genesis through Revelation, it's Jesus. That we would be in awe of Jesus every day, in every season, in times of refraining from embracing, and yeah, in times when we will be embracing. May his eternal purpose, his giving of eternal life, keep you revering him and in awe of him every single day. Let's keep that in mind. Let's keep that in mind this morning before we go and remind ourselves by singing what was inspired by Psalm number 98, Joy to the World. Let's leave on a high note. Joy to the world. And let it remind you to be in awe of God's enduring work. It's not stopping. It's going on right now. Let's stand. Like Pastor said, let's end on a high note, right? I know I brought my dancing shoes to a different color today, right? But we can do it. Come on.
keep the joy burning in our hearts, the joy for our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. May we be reminded and know because Jesus came into the world that your work endures forever and you keep it up. You're continuing to do something for your, for your glory, for your glory, God. And we're appreciative of that, God, regardless of what season we're in, a time where we can't embrace. But God, thank you that we know and we can look to the season changing. We appreciate all you're doing, God. You're doing something. We know you're working. Lord, if we're asleep, if we've become complacent, God, help us. God, help us to see the enduring work of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Help us, God, to every day always revere him and honor him and, and be in awe of him and what he's done for us. And Lord, if there's anyone who's never even come to that, God, if, if they're th thinking, I need that, Lord, I just pray. I pray for that heart right now, Lord. May it turn. May the back that was turned against you turn around, Lord, and turn a face toward you in humble repentance to receive the sacrifice of Christ. Lord, bless those souls and bless all your people. God be with us. God be with us. As, as we endure, help us know and remember always, everything you do endures forever. Thank you for that, God. Bless everyone within my listening voice. Bless every soul here. Carry him, Lord, and keep him. In the name of Jesus Christ, our joy, our Lord and our Savior, amen.